Happy Mother's Day, and good to see you here this Sunday morning. Um, We're going to have the privilege this morning of hearing from some of the mothers in our church. And uh, before I invite the first one up, I just want to say that we recognize that Mother's Day is a day of great emotion for many of us. Sometimes the emotions are wonderful, and sometimes the emotions are, are difficult. Mother's Day can be difficult for us for a variety of reasons. It could be that uh, either we didn't have the relationship with our mom or we don't have the relationship with our children that we wish that we had. Maybe uh, there was a lost child this past year or a lost mom or maybe just the hopes of being a mom. So we recognize that this is a day that presents challenges for some of our church family, and we just want you to know how loved you are and uh, how grateful we are that we have a God who is able to comfort us in all things, and able to give us strength uh, in good times and in difficult times. So, uh, and to those of you here this morning that are moms, we honor you, and uh, we thank you for who you are and for all that you have uh, done. So, this morning, you're going to hear 10-minute talks from three moms in our church, representing really three different stages of motherhood, and uh, we gave them some different questions to think through as they prepared their talk, but really they're free to share from their hearts. And so our first mother that's going to come up here and share her heart is Alicia Reed. Would you please welcome Alicia Reed? Thank you, David. Good morning, everyone. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms, beautiful moms in here today. I'm a little bit nervous, if you guys can tell. (laughs) The joys of going first, right? (laughs) Okay. What does it mean to me to be a mom? Having kids changes everything. Every single thing. (laughs) It changes the way you look at yourself, your friends, the world, and life itself. I remember before I had kids, I was sort of a daredevil. If you'd asked me to go jump out of a plane or go bungee jumping with you, I probably wouldn't hesitate. But today, if you'd asked me to do those same things, I probably would look at you like you're nuts. (laughs) Being a mom is a continuous journey of learning. A lot of times when we have kids, we think that it's only our role to teach them. But my children, they've taught me a lot. They've taught me a lot about myself. They've taught me to be compassionate, patient, to love freely, and to forgive easily. See, in my house, I'm in charge of mornings. So what that means is that I'm in charge of getting the kids up and ready for school and daycare. But I have two, and the oldest, (laughs) she isn't quite the morning person like her little sister. So usually my mornings sound like this. Anaya, get up. Anaya, it's time to wake up. Anaya, brush your teeth. Anaya, put your clothes on. Anaya, let's get downstairs. Anaya, don't forget your breakfast. Anaya, grab your backpack. Anaya, I'm leaving. Anaya, I'm leaving now. (laughs) Bye, Anaya. (laughs) So a few weeks ago, I decided that I was going to teach her how to be on time. So the night before I told her, I said, Anaya, tomorrow we're going to leave here on time. If you're not ready when I say we're leaving, I'm going to leave you. Of course, I wasn't going to leave her. I didn't plan on leaving her. I just wanted to scare her so I could be out the door on time to get to work. 
So the next morning came, and, you know, everything's going as planned. I tried to give her a little uh, help pointers to say, hey, don't forget what mom said yesterday. When I said, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, okay? And she's like, okay, mom. And she's still putting on her sock (laughs) one foot at a time. She's in the bathroom brushing her teeth, and she's got to look at the mirror, and she's like, checking on Millie. And I'm like, we're okay. We're just worried about you. So, of course, I get downstairs. I get Millie putting my shoes on, and Naya is nowhere ready. So I said, okay, Naya, mom's leaving. And Millie's at the door like, are we leaving sissy? Are we leaving sissy? (laughs) I'm ignoring her. Um, So I get, you know, at that point, I'm getting a little upset because it's almost... 8.30, I have to be at work at 9, I have to drop an eye off, and I have to drop Millie off. So I go, I'm leaving, I pick Millie up, and I take her out to the driveway, buckle her in the car, and pretend like I'm leaving, so I get in the driver's side. That's when I turn around, and Millie looks at me with the saddest face, and she says, Mommy, please don't leave my sissy. And in that moment, I just stopped for a second. I was so taken up with teaching Anaya a lesson on being timely, that I lacked any compassion for her. And it's in that moment when Millie taught me that sometimes it doesn't matter what we have going on, life can get overwhelming as a mom, which it usually does. We just have to remember to be less impatient and show more compassion for our children. After all, they're looking at us to be the example. And in that moment, I wasn't really setting a good example for either one of my kids. So for me, being a mom means loving my children at their best and also at their worst. Being patient when I feel like I have no more patience, which is a work in progress. (laughs) And being the best mom I can be physically, emotionally, and spiritually. As a mom, as a mother, I have, I think I have, what's a better understanding of God's love for us. The love that God has for us is truly an unconditional love. And we see it throughout the Bible, specifically John 3.16, which I think everyone knows what it says. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, I don't think I could ever sacrifice either one of my girls, but by having them and the sacrifices that I make as a mom has opened up my heart to continue to display that love not only for my children, but all my brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, being a mom, what advice I would have for some moms or all the moms out there, whether you're a biological mom, adoptive mom, or a spiritual mom, a mom in the church, is that when you're a mom, it's a relationship that never, ever ends. There's no tantrum that Millie can throw or I can throw. There's no breakup <clears throat> or no falling out that could ever change that. Once you're a mom, you'll always be a mom. So... What I say to you, moms, all the moms out there, is love your children unconditionally, just like God loves us. Be patient with them, just like he's patient with us. And forgive them, just like God forgives us. 
Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Alicia. That's wonderful. Wonderful reminders for all of us, mothers, fathers, children, patient, loving, uh, giving each other time to grow and to change. You know, when we think of God, we often think of God in a masculine pronoun because in the Bible, God is most frequently referred to as a father. However, God is spirit, so he's really not gender specific, although I just kind of did a little oxymoron of a sentence there by saying he is not gender specific. Um, And in, in... God is both uh, the great attributes of a father and the great attributes of a mother. And in Matthew 23, 27, uh, we get a little glimpse into that when Jesus looks over Jerusalem and expresses his heart as a mother hen, wishing that he could call all his, those little chicks and cover them with the wings. And so uh, God has that sort of even mothering heart towards us. So thank you so much, Alicia. Uh, at this point, yeah, go ahead. At this time, I'd like to introduce my sister, uh, Lisa Henderson. I'm pretty sure there were a lot of other things David could say in the introduction, as my brother, favorite sister, best-looking sister, <laughs> so many other things. For those of you who don't know me, I am Lisa Henderson. I am the oldest child and only daughter of Pastor Tom and he. Married to Derek, I have four amazing children, Emma, Jared, Abigail, and Carter. And this is my very first Sunday morning ever speaking in front of you guys. I, um, my mother is truly the greatest mom on earth. I know that we all think we have the greatest mom on earth, but I actually do. Actually, both of my parents. My parents taught me how to love Jesus and live Jesus in every aspect of their life. For whatever reason, we often try to compartmentalize our lives and put things in different boxes. My parents never did that with their faith. Wherever we were, we were on vacation, we went to church. My dad read his Bible probably more on vacation. Um, When we went to Chinese Buffet, we prayed and ate. We always lived Jesus in every part of our life. We never took, like my dad would say, a vacation from God. My parents were the same wherever they were. They didn't focus on our failures, but taught us to learn from them and learn from our experiences. They They taught us to love and accept each other, my brothers and I. Prayer was an essential part of our life, just like breathing. And my mom taught us the value of stewardship of our time, money, especially money, and talents. My brothers and I were very blessed to have parents who honored and served the Lord in everything. Although we never had much by the world's standards, I never once felt like we lacked for anything. As I journeyed along the road of motherhood, I gained a greater understanding and appreciation for my mom. When we love somebody, we do something for them uh, to please them, to honor them, not out of obligation or duty. So this morning, even though I'm not a fan of public speaking, terrified actually, um, I am here speaking before you, sharing my heart to honor my mom and my dad. So for as long as I can remember, I've loved children. I love their infectious giggles. I love the smile, their unconditional heart, love for us, their eagerness to forgive and eagerness to please. They always brought a smile to my face. And with each of my children, I felt like the Lord, um, I prayed for a defining characteristic or something that I could speak into their life and pray for them. And I do believe that God has answered that in my heart. 
whether it was through personal devotional time, prophecy, or the development of their personality, I have learned a, co- a quality from each of my children that I'm going to share with you this morning. And it was one that came naturally for them, but one that I had to learn and develop in myself. When Emma was born, my first, my journey of motherhood began. There's nothing that can describe that moment when they, the first moment when they place that child in your arms. It's like for that one second, you can't remember life without them in that one moment. Even though they've only been there for a few minutes, you can't imagine life without them ever again. And your whole body just fills with this love for this child who can't do anything for you and is only going to make more work for you. I didn't know at that time what a blessing of a daughter she was going to be, what a loving and caring sibling she was going to be, or even the incredible support someday she would be for my mom during a difficult time. I didn't know any of those things, but I knew that I loved her. And I think it was my first true, honest glimpse of God's love for us. We can do nothing for God. We make more work for God because we mess up his plans sometimes, but that doesn't bear anything on how much he loves us. He just loves us simply for the fact he is our father. God taught me compassion with Emma. In Colossians 3.12, we are urged as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, to put on a heart of compassion. Jesus showed us what compassion is like. As we would discuss different situations and thoughts as Emma grew up and different, um, just different ideas, she always brought the compassionate viewpoint. I think this is something she got from my father. She sees people the same across the board. She invests in their life regardless of what they can do for her. Even if they couldn't help her out, she was there for them. Even though we see people hurting a lot, just feeling bad about it, that's not compassion. In order to live compassion, you have to invest in their lives. You have to listen to them. Take time. Be kind, even if there are differences. As many of you know, this was one of the final topics that my dad spoke about before he passed. And he taught us that compassion means to suffer together, which we truly have these last couple of months. And I think that he would be proud of the way that you guys have lived compassion towards our family. So I thank you for that. And I think it was something that he wanted you to learn, and you definitely did. I'm going to move on to Jared now. (laughs) Um, Jared came into our life full of energy, and just he was so curious. And you probably don't remember Jared, but he was crazy as a kid. He was just so full of energy, had so many ideas, so many fun things he wanted to try out. Everything was like an experiment to him. I remember one day when he was about five years old, and um, I found him in his room playing with a box of matches. He was trying to light them unsuccessfully, thankfully. But, um, and I scolded him. I said, Jared, you know, you cannot play with matches. It's so dangerous. Talking about how, like, you know, it's a horrible thing. So I thought it was clear, thought it was direct, thought I made my point. Later on that day, came downstairs. Every single candle in my living room was lit. Now, I used to keep a candle on my stove, just kind of lit, and it was, like, in the back. And so... I'm like thinking, oh my goodness, he figured out how to light matches. So I found Jared. I'm like, Jared, and I'm getting ready to scold him. And he's like, don't worry, mom. I didn't use any matches. I used toothpicks. And he, next to him, he had a pile of burnt toothpicks. And I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be a long road. So Jared was challenging as a child. He's grown up a little bit since then. And um, he didn't burn our house down or since. But um, he was. I have this thing in my, on my computer that I started probably when Emma was about five years old, and I intended to write a letter to my child, children every year, just something more for, like, memories of funny things that they would say or do. Remember, Carter was, uh, Jared was practicing his recorder that all the children, for some reason, must practice at third grade, and he was playing a song around the room, and it was 
Carter was following him around like the Pied Piper and um, when he was done, Carter's like, Jared, I love your Chinese song. And it was, Jared was very disheartened because it was not a Chinese song. It just sounded Chinese on his recorder. <laughs> but um, I would write these memories down and hopes and dreams that I have for the children, thinking that someday maybe when, you know, I don't know, when they get married, I'll give them this letter, um, these letters over the years. On July 18th, 2015, when Jared was 13, I wrote this in his, one of his letters. Jared, don't ever change. You love life. You love laughing and being with people. You love people. You have a heart for others. I see that you are relational. You can talk to just about anyone. People open up to you and like you. I pray that these characteristics help you to accomplish all that God has for you. You influence others easily and they follow you. As I prayed for you, God gave me the word zeal. I believe your zeal for life and for others is going to lead you to do great things. Zeal is a great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an obligation, objective. There have been times in my life where I felt stagnant. I was content, satisfied, but in a dangerous place. I didn't have a fire in my heart for the Lord, maybe. I didn't burn with desire to learn more. And I believe that God wants us to live each moment of our life intentionally and purposefully. In Romans 12, 11, it says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, always serving the Lord. Don't waste time. Take each opportunity to positively influence others. Be purposeful. When I see Jared laughing, loving life, enthusiastic, it reminds me to keep the zeal of life in my heart and the zeal for God, to be passionate. Abby was my easiest child so far. <laughs> she conveniently came on Labor Day morning, early in the morning. She was tiny and healthy, simple delivery. We went home that day. It was amazing. Um, and she was such a happy baby. And when, those of you remember Prophet Stanley Hammond, when he came, he prophesied over Abby that wherever she would go, she would bring a smile to those around her. And to this day, it's true. Her name fittingly means father's joy. I have learned the value of the joy of the Lord through Abigail. Nehemiah 8.10 says, Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This joy is not the tendency that some people have because of their temperament to be happier than others. The one who always smiles in the morning, never seems to have a bad day. It's not the fake joy that, ten that, we, that puts like a fake smile on your face just to kind of press through. This is the joy that anchors us during our extraordinary highs and our dispirited lows. It's because of the hope we have in eternal life. Nothing else matters. We know that life is temporal, and eternity is forever. Heaven is forever. Joy is the understanding of the truth we learn in Revelations 21, 3 to 4, that says, God himself will be with those as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Simply put, we can have joy because we know someday we will be fully restored. Those who put their trust in God, this is their destiny. Those that believe in God, this is our destiny. This is our joy because we know that we are going to be restored. When I see others smiling at my Abigail, my heart is reminded of the joy of the Lord. Finally, my little caboose, Carter Beans. <laughs> Carter is just one of those kids who likes to be good. We used to have a kid in our church a long time ago. We used to joke around about his halo, and when he was a little naughty, we'd say it was slipping. But Carter is one of those kids. He wants to be good. He wants you to be good. He wants everyone to be good. He wants everything to be good. He just wants that to be that way. He's just one of those kids. He wants things to be right or wrong. Goodness is a quality that I learned from Carter. It's not like a moral right or wrong, but, you know, we've all seen fairy tales where good overcomes evil. 
But the truth is, good does overcome evil. We do know that in the end, good is going to overcome evil. But sometimes, if we're losing a small battle, we forget. When Jesus died on the cross, he won. The battle was over on that day. There was no more battle to be won. We just have to remember that truth. God is the source and the perfection of all good. Though we can't see it or understand it sometimes, we have to trust in his goodness. Psalms 23, 6 says, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want the goodness of the Lord to follow me always. Goodness is not a a passive quality, but the choosing and following of good. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's a commitment to good over evil, right over wrong. Our goodness can be something that others can be thankful for as we are thankful for God's goodness to us. God is good, and he wants us to grow in goodness so that we can be like him. Compassion, zeal, joy, and goodness. These are the four characteristics that I often pray will overflow from four, all four of my kids into each other. Kind of imagine them like a special team that bonded as siblings doing amazing things for God. We can dream <laughs> and hope. I tell the kids that my job, Derek's job, our parent job as parents is to prepare them for each day of their life. When they're young, it's literal. I literally change them. I literally feed them. I literally take them places. As they grow, they start to learn to make some of these choices on their own, um, what they want to wear. But they're still kind of limited because I buy their clothes. Maybe they can't choose. I buy the groceries, but they can choose what they want to eat. But someday, sadly for us in the fall, there comes a day where they leave and every choice is their own. It's not enough for them at that point to know what choice to make. They have to know how to make those choices. The decision process is so important. So part of the process is learning compassion for others. This will help them to choose others first. Part of that process is remembering the zeal of the Lord, keeping God first in your life, how important it is to choose God's path. Second, thirdly, the joy of the Lord. When things don't go right in their life, as they won't, things happen and they're not sure, they can rely on the strength that comes from the joy of the Lord and their hope of eternity. And then finally, to continually pursue goodness and to always look for the good in others. Moms, I pray for you this morning that you will have compassion for others, that you will have zeal to live your life passionately for the Lord, strength from the Lord and the joy, and grow in goodness as you become more like God. Thank you. Wonderful job to my favorite, most beautiful sister. Yeah, and my, old, yeah, my older sister. Um, you know, after, uh, after my dad's funeral service, I think it was obvious to everyone who was there that I, I am at best the second best public speaker in our family. And after this morning, I'm asking all sorts of questions about my calling and my... <laughs> Great job, Lisa. Um, and after this, Pastor Uni is going to come up, my mom, and just share a quick thought after our last speaker, and then we're going to pray for the moms. When we pray for the moms, we're praying for, for uh, natural moms, spiritual moms, adoptive moms, stepmoms, grandmas. Uh, we just want to pray for you this morning and have us a small gift for you. Uh, but before we do all that, uh, our last speaker this morning, if you would please welcome up here, uh, Mary Anderson. I'm Mary Anderson. A lot of you know me and met some don't. 
but um, I've been here for, I don't know, what, 14, I don't know, 16 years? I don't know, something like that. Anyways, but um, I, to me, motherhood has, is an honor, it's a privilege, and it's a blessing. Since 1979, a fine day in August, um, I've been uh, privileged, honored, and blessed to be the mother uh, of 11 of the most amazing people I know. (laughs) I can't think of anything else that I could have ever chosen to do that would have brought me any more joy, fulfillment, or satisfaction than spending my life raising them. And I don't regret one moment of it. I wouldn't take that time back and do something else. I don't wish or regret, like I said, any moment of it. And I would have all 11 of them again in a heartbeat. I don't feel like I've ever wasted my life because each one of these children are a treasure and a gift from God. And I... I love them dearly. I love them with all my heart. When I sit and I'm surrounded by all my children, I feel like the richest woman in the world. There is no treasure that can ever compare to all those loved ones, those precious faces, and and it just is my greatest treasure. And now I've got daughters-in-laws and sons-in-laws and and grandchildren that mean the world to me. Was it easy raising 11 children? (laughs) 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 You kidding me? (laughs) Heck no. (laughs) And a common question I was always asked is, oh, how do you do it? Oh, (laughs) bless you, you know. And it's like, well... I don't know. How do you do it? How do you do it? You get up every morning and you just do what needs to be done. And you pray a lot. Even when there's no place to go alone, to pray by yourself, not the bathroom, not anywhere. Because you're usually followed by an entourage or a bunch of knocks at the door and somebody always needs something. Anyways, but you just do it. And um, I, um, I understood <laughs> the scripture about praying unceasingly because that's what I did constantly, every day, every moment. I was always praying, and sometimes the kids would say to me, Mommy, who are you talking to? <laughs> You're talking to yourself? Are you going crazy? Say, No, no, <laughs> Mommy's praying. And, uh, That was usually uh, one of the few adult conversations I would have during the day, except for my husband, was talking to the Lord, because I needed him. I needed him close. I like how he's, he's always before me, he's besides me, and he's behind me, and he carries me through, and it's God's grace that helps you through every moment of every day. There's many situations that people go through, but motherhood, you wear a lot of hats. There's a lot of things that come along that um, 
you can't predict, you know, a lot of good times, bad times, times that break your heart. And yet God is always there and he's faithful. And I, I'm so thankful that, um, that he's always been there for me. Has been made, uh, being a mother made me more like Jesus. <laughs> Sometimes I felt more like the devil than the mo- <laughs> than Jesus. But um, my kids and my husband would probably attest to that a few times. Probably more times than I'd care to admit. But anyways, I would say that it showed me why Jesus would make sure that he spent time with his father. And why he would always get away by himself, although, like I say, it's not always a time like that. Maybe when they're all asleep. (laughs) Um, But Jesus made sure that he spent time with his Father and to be dependent on him and the Holy Spirit. They're the ones who have given me the grace and the strength to be a mom. And, you know, we're far from perfect. We're only human. And although Mary Poppins was practically perfect in every way, she wasn't even a mom. But anyways, we are role models for our children. But you know what? We're not always going to be put together. We're not going to look the way we want to look. We can't always dress the way we want to dress. I can remember (laughs) I had my house clothes and I had my going out clothes (laughs) because you're always getting wiped with dirty hands or smeared with a snotty nose or puked on by, I always said my favorite perfume was eau de puke and eau de toilet. (laughs) So no, you're not always going to be put together. Proverbs 31.30 says that charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So don't worry about the way you look, you know. (laughs) Your kids aren't going to care about that. They just want you there for them. They, they want you to love them and, and be there for them. But anyways, you're not always going to know what to do or how to be the best mom, but love and accept your children for who they are. Pray unceasingly for them. And as Proverbs 3, 5, 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path. And that's <laughs> what I stand on. Amen. There's a book full of directions. That is beautiful. Thank you, Mary. And thank you, Alicia. Thank you, Lisa. I want you to stand all the Anderson children. Stand up. Where's all the Anderson children? Let me see. It should be like an autumn. Just give honor to your mother. Give your hand. Just let you give you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, um, you know, uh, the Mary said, and uh, it was such a blessing. She would not trade with anything else, you know, you know. But I felt the same thing. You know, I thought about the greatest gift, one of the greatest gifts God gave to me from from God and from my husband is my three children. I don't think I would have made it if it wasn't them. I thank God. I'm sorry. 
But anyway, <laughs> praise God. You know, as I was thinking about Mary, it really touched me. We have such a godly man, woman of God in this church and uh, was here and uh, influenced so many young women. And two women I'm thinking about from the Marys. Mary's mom, Mary Conway. Oh, she's such the sweetest woman I ever met. I mean, you could not find any, not even single fall. If any, how many of you remember Mary Conway? I mean, you know, everybody who knows, she was the, such a sweetest woman. We loved her. And she was just, her life was such a light and example to so many young women. You know that. Another one is a Kit Anderson. These two, Kit Anderson influenced me more than anything else about the woman of prayer. I mean, she is the fire and encouraged me, and I miss both those two ladies so much as a mother, and so what a great, great heritage she had. And thank you so much. I just want to, oh, thank you, Lord. I want to run one scripture for you before we just close with the, you know, worship. Is it Okay. First Timothy, this is one of my favorite scriptures. You probably guess what I'm going to read. First Tim, Second Timothy, <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 5. For I am mindful of sincere faith within you, which first dwell in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. You know, when, when Paul was writing this scripture to Timothy, I felt like Timothy was a little bit discouraged and not sure of his calling, and he was a little bit down. But then the Paul has to come with a, just a word of encouragement, and here's the verse 6 says, Now stir up your gifts. Stir up the, that's what he's doing. And he, let me read this scripture with the Amplified Bible. Sometimes I love to read it with the Amplified Bible. Here it is. I am calling up memories of your sincere, that means unqualified faith. That means is the learning of your entire personality on God in Christ, in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. That is what is a sincere faith is. Everybody say amen. 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 They first live, first live, permanently in your grandmother, Louis. It was not temporary. The grandmothers had the faith, the sincere faith, the permanent lift, and she passed to her daughter, Eunice, and it was in, in the new grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice, and now I am personally in New Orsa. I just praise God that God is raising up great women of God Louis and Eunice from this church body, it's gonna, we're going to carry on this mission and pass on to this generation, to generation. We're going to leave a great legacy, just like Kit Anderson, Mary Conway, left such a great legacy to all of us. And we are going to do that to our children. Amen? Amen. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. Hallelujah. I do. I believe it.